again, thank you, staff team and volunteers for um, just just picking it up and figuring it out. That's what I love about New Life. In the past three years, we have just done what it ever takes to be the church because we are so committed to this reality and we believe in it so much. And in fact, as a result of the last three years, we believe in it more, I think I do anyway, the essential need of being the church, living the church, experiencing the church, being together. It's what we were created for. In 2013, <clears throat> there was a huge flood in Calgary. I don't know if you remember that. Some of you weren't born, some of you were, but uh, it, was, it, was, um, it was disastrous. I mean, in the, you know, they were, you know, mud and silt and you know of course if you know calgary like downtown that's exactly where the stampede occurs every year it's end of june there's just muck everywhere and debris and floating zoo animals i mean there's everything going on that down there right and, and they're like man what do we do with this and then the people of calgary banded together and cleaned up the streets and said we are going to have the stampede a few years later the um huge fire in Slave Lake, and all of a sudden people in, in my community were gathering together, collecting donations. I know this because a girl from our church was like, hey, can we store the donations at, at, at our church until we can send them up? I'm like, sure, sure. You know, I'm thinking, okay, there's going to be, you know, whatever. And like, all of a sudden there's like bags, bags, bags. But, you know, the foyer is like piled with all these, the people are just responding. Why does it take a crisis to make us respond together? God wants something different from us. I mean, the world is in crisis. But God creates this thing called the church so that we can be together and, and experience that camaraderie, that teamwork that, that, that others only experience in crisis or when there's a calamity or when it's a one-off situation. But God says, I want this to be your weekly daily, ongoing reality that you are part of a, of a dynamic team accomplishing significant things for my sake and for my mission. And so there in the first century are all these letters that are compiled into this book called the Bible, the New Testament. And they tell stories of, of, um, of churches, of men and women, of diverse groups that gathered together to accomplish something greater than they could ever do on their own. And one of these letters is this letter called the Philippians. You can actually go to the modern, to, 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 to modern day Philippi and see the ancient ruins of this first century city, which was a significant, uh, and, and, and you know, it was a big city. It was a Roman city. People there had Roman citizenship. It was located in Macedonia. And the people that formed that church were an interesting group of people. The first convert was an Asian lady. So it was a multicultural church. We love multicultural. Every church should be multicultural. Her name was Lydia, businesswoman, powerful, uh, well-known, a God-fearer. She, she knew that there was a God out there. She, 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 you know, probably Jewish background, but, but she didn't know that the fact that God had sent his son Jesus into the world. The Apostle Paul has been sent to, to Macedonia by a vision from God, and he goes over there, and he's looking for a church. There's no church in the city. So he goes down to the river. Oh, there's some women worshiping. And so he, he explains, guess what? God sent his son, Jesus. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. And, and Lydia is convinced. 
she believes. She's baptized. And then she says to Paul, come stay at my house. She becomes the benefactor of the Christian community in Philippi. She, she's hosting the church. Another person that comes to faith in Philippi is this slave girl. She's a fortune teller. She has evil spirits in her that enable her to tell the future. And so her owners use her as a little sideshow in Philippi. And so, so there she is running around. But as she encounters Paul and his companion, she begins to follow them. And, and they're like, hey, these guys are servants of the Most High God. They're telling about the way to salvation. And, and you know, like, so this weird fortune teller girl following when you're around. You're trying to preach. You're trying to make relationships. And always this girl yabbering in your background. It says for a couple days. And finally Paul's like, that's it. I've had enough. In the name of Jesus, leave her. And boom, she's healed. Now, of course, her owners aren't very thrilled with this because they've got a really good sideshow going on. There's a lot of cash flow, and suddenly she's useless to them because she no longer has this power which came from the evil realm. Now she's filled, you know, she's, she's got God's power working in her life. Paul and his companions are thrown in jail. Uh, the text makes it pretty clear. They're roughly treated. You know, they're, they're thrown in. They're locked in the stocks. They're chained up. The, the bars are, you know, the, the doors are chained up. And they're, they're securely in there. They've been beaten. They're bloody, bruised, oozing, all sorts of stuff. And there they are in the jail. And they're singing. We're going to look at the book of Philippians this fall, so you'll get a better picture of this. But they're singing. I'm sure most prisoners locked after getting beaten aren't singing at night. They're probably, or if they're singing, they're singing songs that you would never sing in, you know, in the presence of children or women, right? I mean, I mean, that's what usually goes on in prison, but these guys are singing these praise, singing about, you know, Jesus and this Christ and this, this powerful God who, who sacrifices himself for, for others. They're like, what is going on? And in the middle of the night, boom, an earthquake shaking and, and all the chains fall off and all the doors spring open and the jailer's like, I was entrusted with these men. If they get out, it's my life for there. So he's, he's like, okay, I might as well, you know, just kill myself. And now you're thinking, whoo, this is crazy, but you don't understand. Some of you may understand this. It's a shame culture. He has brought great dishonor to his family. And if they take him out, they'll make a big show for him. So, so if I just die in here, then at least my family won't experience the shame of what just happened here. So he's, he's ready to kill himself. And Paul's like, wait a second. We're all here. Don't, don't do that. So he's like, bring a light in here. Brings the light in. Yeah, all the prisoners are there. Okay, yeah, that's cool. And then the jailer's like, this is too weird. What must I do to be saved? <laughs> he says to them. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And so that night, the jailer, one of the most unlikely people in Philippi to become a Christian, becomes a Christian. In fact, his whole family becomes Christians that night. They all get baptized. They bring Paul onto their house. They, 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 they take care of his wounds, and suddenly the church is formed. And for the first time in probably Philippian culture and society and history, a most diverse group gathers together, the Asian businesswoman the former fortune teller, the civil servant for the, you know, the, the Roman jail, gather together. Why? For one reason, because of Jesus. 
There's others, it seems like there was a, a significant group of prominent women. The book of Philippians talks about these two women, Euodia and Syntyche, who contended together for the gospel. In the book of Philippians, they're now contending against each other, and Paul's like, smarten up, women, get along, you know. But it seems like this group gathered together and moved forward because they had a new purpose. And in Philippians 1.27, that's just the verse I'm going to look at today, the Apostle Paul says to this church, he says, just one thing. As citizens of heaven, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, you've been given a new identity, a new passport. You know, I, I have a passport at home. It's got a hole in it, right? You know why it's got a hole in it? Because it expired. And they're like, do you want to keep this? Yeah, I want to keep it. So they go, shunk, shunk. It's useless. I can't take it anywhere. I can't even sell it on the black market. It's got a hole in it. You know, it's, it's not good for anything. And then I get a new one. Now I can use my new one. But it expires. Five, ten years, depending, you know, if you, you know how, we, how you do it. But God says through his apostle to the people, you have a citizen. You have a new passport. It never expires. You belong to the citizenship of heaven, to God himself, to his family forever. And, and as a result, live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Remember the cross. And he's going to keep coming back to this, and we keep coming back to this. And of course, baptism is a picture of this. When we have communion, it's a picture of this. Don't Keep the gospel in focus. This is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose again so that we can have new life. It changes everything. Keep that in focus. The word was used to describe the Roman citizens living as citizens of the Roman Empire. And everything you did was for the benefit of the Pax Romana, of, of this piece of Rome. And so you, 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 you followed the society customs and the cultures and the norms, and you respected the authorities, and you burnt incense to the, to the emperor and to the gods, and you, you just did everything everyone else did because you wanted to keep society moving forward. But he says, guess what? You have a new citizenship. People were proud to be Philippians because it was a, a proud city. I don't know if you've ever lived in one of those cities where people are like super proud to be there. I'm not sure our city is quite there, but a lot of people love Lloyd, but it's not quite the same. When Elise and I visited Italy on our 10th anniversary, the, the city of Siena in Italy is like that. They have a little horse race and every, every little neighborhood has a, a rider in the race. And, and, and you are cheering for your rider. And if you were born within the walls of, of Siena, you, you, you have a special privilege and pride that, that the outsiders don't have. That's what the Romans felt like. But now the Apostle Paul says, you can feel this pride because you belong to heaven. You're carrying a new passport, a new identity, a new belonging. Live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And what does that look like? Well, he explains there at the end of verse 27. It says, Then whenever I come and see you or am absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel. He's like, I want to hear that, that you're standing firm in one spirit. This is the picture of soldiers that don't break rank when, when, when they're being, you know, 
in, in the midst of battle. I don't know if you've ever watched that movie, Braveheart. And, and they're standing there waiting for this English army to come towards them. And they've got these big poles, and they're just waiting for these horses. And the horses are galloping at them. And, 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 and Mel Gibson's like, hold! Hold! You know, and they're waiting, and you, you can just feel the, the pressure. You just want to run away because these horses are galloping at you. And then finally they grab those poles, and it's a really bloody scene. But anyway, they're holding. They're lying. They're not breaking rank. They're standing still. He says, stand firm together. The enemy would love to scatter us. He did scatter us. He has scattered us. That's always his tactic. And Paul, as he writes to Philippians, and in this Roman colony, they understood the Roman battalion. They stood together. Oftentimes they do this thing, the square phalanx, they called it, where everyone had their shields on the outside, shields on the top. I mean, basically it was like a human tank. They could just walk into battle, and, and all these barbarian hordes where they'd go and conquer areas couldn't fight against them because they just come, and the tank would move, and then the, the shields would split apart, and they'd you know, just kind of skewer people as they walk through. I mean, they, they were just a fighting machine. He says, stand firm together in one spirit. Now God has given us his Holy Spirit. And that spirit brings unity and it brings our spirits into unity with each other. Because the reality is you get three people in a room together and they don't agree, right? The person that you've spent a significant part of your life with, if you're married, you don't always agree, right? So how can you get 200 people in a room together and agree? Well, when we have the Holy Spirit and we have a common Savior, we have a, one thing that we can look at together, and that unifies us. He's standing firm together in one spirit. And then he says, in one accord, you know, or, or one mind, this would say. You're agreeing. You're, you're, you're seeing the same things. You're, you're moving together to accomplish the same goals. Contending together for the faith of the gospel. Fighting together. Moving together. Serving together for the faith of the gospel. Do you see what keeps us together, people? It's not our favorite songs. We love music. It's not the certain translation or favorite parts of the Bible. It's this truth about Jesus. And as we move forward with Jesus, that keeps us together. We need each other. I don't know if you, if you saw that movie, Remember the Titans, right? Like this, you know, it's sort of, a, it's, a, it's a book about, it's a movie about football, but it's a movie also about kind of, you know, integration and segregation and sort of the, the 60s and, and, you know, in America. And, and of course, it's the first team that has, has, you know, a mixed group. It's not just white or, or black, but they're, you know, they're, they're playing, they're forced to play together. So it's about playing together, but it's also about, about the fact that, that, you know, that they're people together. It's sort of a double meeting layered together. But that, the sport of football is one of those sports where you can't have one person win the game. Everyone has to be doing their part in order for that team to be successful. And Paul says to this church, when you're living your life worthy of the gospel of Christ, you have this unity. You lay aside your own preferences. You forego your own rights. I have a right to that. You willingly step up to serve each other. We'll get there. The book is going to undress us a little bit. 
you know, have this mind in you, which is like Jesus. Or he says the same mind. Well, what mind is that? It's like who did not, you know, who, who put aside his own privileges in order to serve and, and save others. I mean, we got a long ways to go, people, don't we? Right? I'm inconvenienced when I can't, you know, get to the bathroom because someone's in there. And I'm, come on, get out of there, you know. And, and, he, and here's Jesus dying for me. I'm like, like but this is what brings us unity. It brings us solidarity. It keeps us moving up and out together. Contenting together. Now, here's the issue. You will be tempted to contend together for other things that aren't the gospel, right? I mean, our world is like that, right? People gather together, and they're contending for an environmental cause, right? People are gathering together, and they're contending together for some social cause, just watch the news. You'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. People gather together for political causes. People gather together on ethnic and nationality basis. People gather together, and, and, you know, and, and they're contending. Even Christians sometimes forget what fight we're in, and they contend together for the wrong reasons. And the book of Philippians reminds us we contend together for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what brings us together. I mean, just look at this group. We all have different interests, you know, different, different passions, different hobbies, different backgrounds, different careers. But Christ and this waters of baptism bring us all to the same level, new life in Jesus Christ. You know, I was driving to Moose Jaw, I had to pick up the, meet the boys, they were at a basketball camp, and so I was driving in the middle of Saskatchewan, it's, it's really engaging topography, you know, and there's just, you know, like, just like, flat, you know, and of course, the farmer's dream, right, just flat, 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 and then every once in a while, there's a group of trees, right, and then there's a group of trees, obviously a farmyard, right, someone planted those trees there, and they have succeeded together, where no individual tree can. Now, if you drive down on Highway 1 in that south area between Medicine Hat and Regina, you'll see the odd single tree, right? It's the deposit of some bird at some point, you know, you know, and this tree grows up. And when it's by itself, it's this gnarly, you know, ugly kind of, you know, uh, you know, like a Tolkien kind of looking tree, you know, and it's, you know, it's all by itself. And there's, you know, a few birds in it because it's the only tree for miles, you know. But then you see a farmyard and there's all these trees, boom. They're straight, they're strong, they're big, they're healthy, they're green. You're like, what happened? Well, someone planted them. And because he planted them together, they've grown together. They support each other when the wind comes. There's water, their roots are interconnected, and they found sources of, of, of nutrients, and, and then eat, all their leaves fall, and those leaves provide extra nutrients as they decompose. And, and this is the thing. God plants the church together. Not as individuals. You're not a solitary sprig. You're part of a this windrow that God has built here at New Life. We're growing together. We're contending together for the faith of the gospel. In verse 28 at the beginning, it just says this one thing. He says, not being afraid or not being frightened in any way. Not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation. And this is from God. Not being frightened. So as we get together and we're, we're standing firm in one mind and in one heart and one soul and, and we're contending together and we're not at all afraid. Why? Because we have each other and we have God. What else do we need? 
What else do we need? And so this year, we're going to move up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together. Together. You know, group projects take a little bit more work, but you can get more done if you're doing it together. I like solo projects because then I got full control over what happens. But I know, like on a day like today, I can't do this. I need it. And, and, and I'm just a part of, of a great team here of staff and volunteers, and we're going to make this happen. This service is going to end, and, and the, the men and whoever else, we're going to set up chairs and tables. Why? Because we do this together. It's a beautiful picture of what God made us to be. Together is going to involve you and me taking some steps this fall and this winter and this spring. Taking time to, to be with other people and to grow together. We're going to adjust our schedules. We're going to plan our schedules so that we can do this because this is the way God designed us to be together. And as a, as a result, we're, we're not afraid. We're not intimidated. We just keep moving forward because we are doing what God has created us to do. You know, I, I read the story about this fish called the goat, the gold saddle goat fish. Anyone ever heard about the gold saddle goat fish? It's a really colorful little fish in Hawaii. You know, you can see it. And, and I, think, I think this one actually appears on the Finding Nemo movie. So the gold saddle of goat fish, when it is frightened, guess what it does? It schools up together, and that school forms a large gold saddle goldfish. So when you look at it from a distance, you're like, man, that's a big gold saddle goldfish. It's not. When you get close, it's a, a thousand little fishes together, and they made the outline of a big fish. Hmm. So we two people, when we're squeezed, when we're pressured, when the world seems to be going in a total different direction than we know what God wants us to go. We can scurry off and hide under rocks by ourselves, or we can pull in together and make ourselves look real big <laughs> and be the people God has called us to be and experience that exhilaration that comes when you're on that team that just works and gets it done. You know, a couple years ago, we had a men's retreat up at camp. Some of the guys are here that were there. It was amazing because we went up without a cook, which is like a men's retreat. Like that's, that's a recipe for disaster, right? You're going on a men's retreat, no cook, right? So guess what we had to do? Everyone had to pitch in somewhere, somehow. And, and we, had a, we had a bit of a schedule, but it was pretty loose. But it was the most remarkable weekend I've ever had with a group of men Everything got done. No one complained. No one was slacking. In fact, a group of guys showed up from a different place, and that was the only time, and there were some takers in the group. But then they left, and then it was kind of back to normal, and, and we, we cleaned up together. We cooked together. We, it was like everyone just did their part. That's the way the church is designed. When everyone pitches in, it just all gets done, and we enjoy doing it together, and God receives the glory. We're moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together this year. And I'm inviting you to join me in that journey together. Take that step. Find some people. Join a group. Get three or four women, three or four men together and just meet every other week and just encourage each other. But we're going to do this together. And of course, it's fitting that we would end our service today eating together because that's a real holy activity, right? God, bless, God just smiles on I mean, this is part of what we're supposed to be doing. Just being the church together.
And even when the wind is howling out there, we just find a way to make it work. And we did, and we will, as we move up and out in your life together. And team, would you come up? We're going to lead us in a closing song. And then Donaldo's going to come and give you guys some, uh, some final kind of announcements. We're going to have to kind of clear the room, and, and we'll move the chairs out, and we'll set some tables in the room here, and we'll get it all set up, and we'll just go, we're going to share food together. But as we close today, would you just join me in prayer? And um, maybe today you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You, you've been watching. You've been sort of kind of just observing maybe online, and maybe you're here. You've been sort of, ah, what are these church people doing? And ah, what's going on here? And that's fine. We're, you're always welcome here. But maybe today it's a day where you're like, you know, I need to take that step. I need to really just articulate, yes, I believe this. I, I, I want this. I'm moving forward in this. Maybe you need to join me in, in this tank in a couple of weeks or in a month, and we, we do this for you because you're like, yeah, God's doing something in my life, and I want to tell people about it. And the Bible says this is how I do that, and I want to do it. Moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Savior. Your Holy Spirit, the one who brings us unity. I pray today for Stephanie and Adam that you would just strengthen them in their faith. Encourage them today as they took this step. Lord, thank you as a church family. We give you praise and glory for the work you're doing in people's lives. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, we just pray that you would just communicate your love to their heart today. And I pray for our church family, Lord. Help us to grow. Help us to move up and out. Help us to be together, contending together for the gospel. That, that there will be just a light that shines from this group of people as we live out our identity as citizens of heaven. And so we'll give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with the team as they lead us in this closing song?